How many people have ever been, well, let me, let me do this. Let me kind of set it up this way. How many have never been, I'm not going to make fun of you, have never been to the Anderson Jockey Lot? Just a show of hands. Just, okay, okay, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. It's fascinating, especially if you love to people watch. Um, it, it's the only place I know in the, in the world where you can buy a box of Little Debbie Cakes, a duck, like, like, like a real duck, like a real duck, and a half-used bottle of shaving cream at the same place. You can just buy it right there. Now, with that in mind, um, you can, it's, it's, it's huge, because how many of you have been, all right? Oh, yeah, it's huge, right? And, and um, it's, it's just a fascinating place where all types of human beings descend upon. However, I don't know if you knew this or not, Pickens has a jockey lot as well. I never knew about the Anderson jockey lot growing up because I always went to the Pickens jockey lot. And that was the first place that I ever got lost. Now, getting lost isn't a big deal. I don't know how you feel about getting lost. Getting lost if, if you're on a trip or something like that, it's not a big deal unless you're by yourself. Like, if I get lost and you're with me, like, we're screwed together, right? It's like, okay, okay, we're lost, or we missed a street. If I got somebody with me, the more people I have with me, I, I, it's okay. But if you get lost by yourself, you not only feel a lost, but you feel alone. And feeling alone and lost is one of the most helpless feelings in the world. So I remember I was at the Pickens Jockey Lot. I was trying to negotiate a deal on some Hot Wheels cars because I love those things with this old man in overalls, and he was not budging, and I wasn't budging because I had a quarter, and he wanted 50 cents. Anyway, long story short, I turn around, and my mother and my grandmother were gone. I don't know how we got separated. I don't know what happened, but that was, in that moment, I felt my my world just kind of came caving in, and the only thing I could think of was go to the car. So I went to the car, and I was crying, and I remember my mom and my grandma, they eventually showed up, and, and just finding out my mother was probably more freaked out than I was, and she was trying to find me. But I never, have, I never have forgotten that feeling of what it feels like to be lost and alone. Now, the reason I bring that story up is this. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've ever wrestled with an addiction of any type, and I, and I talked to you last week very honestly and openly about how I've wrestled with some sort of an addiction issue from the age of like nine or ten forward. Um, but if you've ever wrestled with an addiction issue, or you love somebody that's wrestling with an addiction issue, then at times you have felt lost and alone. In fact, the enemy wants you to believe that you're the only person on the planet that has that issue, and you can't talk to anybody about it because as soon as you do, then they're going to think you're weird. And, and this, is the thing about, this is the thing about the enemy. Isolation, then destruction. He can't destroy us unless he isolates us. And the way he isolates us is he gets us convinced in our mind, you're the only one with that issue. You're the only one with that problem. Or if you love someone that's battling with an addiction, he wants you to think you're the only one. You can't talk to anybody about what they're going through because then they're going to think it's your fault. He wants you to think you're the only one. But I've got good news here today. I've got really good news that it doesn't matter what type of addiction that you may be dealing with. It doesn't matter what type of issue that you may be dealing with. 
anything that we've got in our lives, we have the freedom and the ability to take it to, to just and put it at the feet of Jesus and not, not receive judgment and condemnation, but actually compassion and forgiveness. The author of Hebrews said it this way, and we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Um, somebody way godlier than me, which <laughs> standard isn't really I. But the author of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For we, and when he says we, he's talking about believers, people that believe in Jesus, Christians, Christ followers, whatever tag or label you want to put on that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. So if you feel like there's an area of weakness in your life, just like I know there are areas of weakness in my life, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, Jesus basically not just understands, he empathizes with us. And he goes on to say this, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. So if you're here and you're wrestling with an addiction issue, Jesus knows exactly what we're going through because he's been tempted. Now, some of you are like, well, he was not tempted the way I'm. It, 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 the same general temptation, actually, I'm going to show you. Yes, he was. Um, he's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So watch this. Watch this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace, not throne of judgment, not throne of condemnation, but we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I'm in the mercy line. Like, I need the mercy. I need mercy all the time so I can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I've been looking at this particular passage of Scripture all week. I've been thinking about the issues that I've wrestled with in my life. I've been reflecting on the stories that people have shared um, about last week, about how last week we had so many, we had, we had care volunteers to like here till 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, people really trying to shake free from the addiction thing, and also thinking about the fact that if I could sit down with anybody on the planet wrestling with an addiction issue, or somebody that loves somebody with an addiction issue, like what would I personally say to them? And I thought about it, and I'm, I, I make a list. I'm a list person. So I made a list, and it was like 13 things. And I'm like, nobody's going to listen to the 13 things. I don't, and so I kind of I kept scratching and kind of combining. And I came up with five things. There's five things that I think I would sit down if I could talk to you and lock eyes with you if you're wrestling with an addiction or you know someone or love someone who's wrestling with addiction. There's about five things that I think I would sit down and say to every one of these people. So, because I can't sit down and have coffee with everybody, because if I did, um, my heart would explode. I can't drink that much coffee. But, but these are five things I would say. Number one is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the reason I would say I'm sorry, for those of you that don't, um, you've never battled with addiction, first of all, praise God for that. I mean, praise God for that. But, but to kind of set it up, let me kind of share an illustration I think we can all connect with. Most of us, if not all of us, have probably experienced this thing called sunburn, right? Growing up, my, my mom, um, it, we used to go to the lake every weekend, my mom, my sister, and looking back, <laughs> we were completely redneck, but I thought it was normal. So we'd go to the lake, 
And my mom didn't believe in sunscreen. Like my, my aunts and stuff, they would put like suntan lotion on, but I've got fair skin. So if I'm out in the sun for like 30 minutes with no sunscreen, I'm j I just explode. I just turn red and then blow up. And so, so on that particular day, I can remember being out in the sun all day. I didn't take any breaks. And I was sunburned so bad that night. I don't know if you've ever been sunburned so bad. It's just like your skin is just kind of on fire and it hurts. And the next day, we went to church. And so I dressed up to go to church. So I had the long sleeve dress shirt on and the tie. But I had like the ghetto clip-on tie that you bought because I didn't know how to tie a tie. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all still wear those. I ain't judging. I ain't judging. Two, two for $10 at Hamrick's. All right. So I had the, like the, the, um, the tie and I, the long sleeve shirt. And I went into church in my sunburn. But I had my long sleeve shirt on and nobody could tell about my sunburn. So what always happens when you're sunburned and you walk into church or work what, what always happens somebody comes up and they on the like why like why do you, are you wearing a sign that says hit me on the back as hard as you can and smile so a guy named John I know his name was John Smith he's super guy loves Jesus going to heaven almost sent him that day he came up behind me and said Perry good to see you wham and as soon as he did like, he couldn't see what was going on. He, he didn't know I was sunburned because I had on a long sleeve shirt. He couldn't see. I, I just started crying because it hurt. Now, he didn't know. He didn't know. It wasn't his fault. But my mom, my mom said, well, I, th I think we can handle this. I think we can handle this. So she had this stuff. I called it heaven in a bottle. It was aloe vera gel. Isn't that the greatest stuff in the world when you're sunburned? And she was like, hey, here's some aloe, okay, put this on. So I put it on, and automatically, like as soon as I put the aloe vera on my skin, it stopped burning. And, and so for, for the rest of the, now, it only lasted for like 20 or 30 minutes, and then it would stop, start burning again. So for the rest of the day, everywhere I went, I had that aloe vera gel, right? And by the end of the day, I had nearly used the whole bottle, and my mom was like, Perry, first of all, you smell horrible. Like, I smelled like a walking aloe vera plant, which I didn't think it was that, but I didn't care how I smelled. I just wasn't in pain. And she was like, Perry, you can't apply it every 10 to 15 minutes, but all I wanted to do was the pain to go away. Do you, you know what I'm talking about when you get a sunburn? That's all you want to do. You'll rub aloe vera on all day because all you want to do is have the pain go away. If you have an addiction, the reason I want to say I'm sorry is because maybe nobody has ever stopped to acknowledge the pain that led to that addiction. Something happened. Something you, you, when you were 9 or 10 years old, did not say, in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s, I want to blow up my life. I want to drink too much. I want to smoke too much. I want to snort too much. I want to have an eating disorder. You, you, you didn't. You didn't plan that. But here's what I know about most people. I'm not going to say all, but I'll say this, all people that I've actually spoken with. But most people with an addiction, something happened. And it's not an excuse, it's not an excuse but it is a reason. It was painful. It was hurtful. And the reason you use is kind of like the reason that I put aloe vera on when I was sunburned. It makes the pain go away. And I'll talk about that and about how that's probably not the best way to deal with it moving forward. But I just want to tell you, for what you went through, 
that's causing you to do what you're doing, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I've heard stories that have broken my heart, and I know they've absolutely broken God's heart as well. Which leads to my second point, as I understand. Which is, which is a big deal, because there's a lot of things in the world I don't understand. Like, I don't understand car engines. My father had the ability, um, if a car broke down, my dad could get out of the car, open the, like, like the hood, look under the hood and go, crank it, or try to crank it, listen to it, and my dad would be, oh, that's a timing belt, or, oh, that needs a spark plug, and he could just fix it. Me, I, I literally don't know what that, I mean, I don't even know what those, I, 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 I've got nothing, nothing. I was in college one time, I was dating this girl, her car broke down, and I got out of the car, and I opened the hood, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I have no idea. This is, this is as far as I can get. This is my, my dad. My dad just did this right here. So if it comes to the, if it comes to the car breaking down, I'm like, call 911. That, that's all I know how to do. That's it. <laughs> I'm joking. I've done that. Um, I don't understand people that enjoy yard work. Like, how many enjoy yard work? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. See, for me, as, as, that's as close to hell as, I'll, as I could get. Me and a lawnmower is going to go bad at some point. So I don't understand car engines. I don't understand yard work. And I don't understand Post Malone. But I, there, there's just some things in this world that I don't understand. And as we battle through these issues, we'll get him off the screen. Um, as we battle, it was so distracting. As we battle through some of these issues of addiction, we think maybe, listen, very few addicts feel understood, especially when it comes to the church world. In fact, we think that if anything, when it comes to addiction, that Jesus is angry with us. But as we read in Hebrews at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this Jesus understands us. He empathizes with us. And you know what? He understands the fight that we're going through. You say, well, period, Jesus never wrestled with anything like that. Well, let's look at that. Let's see. Matthew writes this. In uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, there's a whole sermon there that we'll maybe come back to another time. After fasting... 40 days. Stop. Uh, man, can you imagine? Like the workout that I'm on right now, if I go 40 minutes without food, I'm hangry. You know what hangry is? It's when you get so hungry that you're angry. I, like fasting 40 I've had a couple friends do this, literally. Um, and, and they've been like, man, I fasted for 40 days. And this is just godly experience. And I'm like, man, I am so happy for you. <laughs> would you ever consider it? Nope. Nope. I, like I, and if God ever wanted me to, I would like to say I'm open to whatever God wants. But for this, I'm going to need a sign. I'm going to need this sky to turn purple. I'm going to need to see a naked smurf. I'm gonna, I, I just don't know where that came from. Sorry. I just <laughs> went off. Um, I, I'm going to, like, fasting 40 days. Like, I got to have 
food. As I'm talking about food right now, many of you are getting hungry. The more I talk about food, the hungrier that you're getting. You know why? Because we love food. I walked by a restaurant the other day. As I was walking by, I heard somebody say, oh, it's an hour wait. And I thought, there's no way. There's, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's not a restaurant on the planet I would wait an hour for. Not one. Well, the chef in there. Well, you know what? Chef Burger King is just as good, and he can get it my way right away, right? So can you imagine going 40 days? Now, this is a very, very simple question. I'm not going to trick you. If you go 40 days without food, probably the thing you want most in life is what? Food. Yes, somebody was going to say God. No, no, it's food. So, so he's gone 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Thank you, Matthew, for telling us that, Captain Obvious. Verse 3. The tempter came to him. Doesn't he always hit us when we're vulnerable? How is it that he knows when we're going to be the most vulnerable? So he, he didn't tempt him on day 20. He didn't tempt him on day 30. No, he waited until day 40. And, and he came to him and said, you know, if, if, question is identity, you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, don't, don't miss this, because when people say that Jesus was never tempted with any sort of addictive behavior, don't miss this, because the temptation behind it is this. Jesus, meet your own needs. You don't need God. And as somebody that's wrestled with addiction, when we give in, we're meeting our own needs. We're meeting our own needs. And you know what? Just like that aloe vera, it makes everything temporarily okay. That's the temptation. That's why Jesus understands when we're tempted to use, when we're tempted to do what we're tempted to do, when we're vulnerable, when we're feeling weak, he understands. This is why I love, because he comes back and he goes, um, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was able to defeat Satan. Now, I taught for years that Jesus was able to defeat Satan. All he did was quote scripture, so all we got to do is quote scripture and defeat Satan, but now I know that's wrong. Quoting scripture is good, don't, me, don't get me wrong. But I've no, I know more Bible verses than I've ever known in my life and, 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 and still battle with temptation just like you battle with temptation. The key to this phrase right here is if we'll go back, Jesus was led by the Spirit. In other words, he was in the right mindset. And to overcome addiction, we've got to be in the right mindset and then understand how he's coming at us, approach it from a scriptural standpoint, and at the end of the day, believe, believe that he understands what we're going through. The third thing I will tell you is I know people can be mean. One of the things I love to do from time to time is get out my guitar. This is not mine. It's Phillips. Ask for permission and play. And uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a wannabe country singer. I love George Strait. But one of my favorite songs is by a female theologian named Taylor Swift. 
And if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. Someday I'll be living in the big old city and all you're ever going to be is me. Oh, yeah. Someday I'll be big enough so you can't hit me and all you're ever going to be is me. Why you got to be so mean? Y'all give yourself a hand. That was good. Now you know why I don't lead worship. <clears throat> That's the only four chords I know. Anyway, I know when that song came out, like the first time I heard that song, I said, that song's going to go to like number one. And it's going to stay there for a while. You know why? Because she hit on something. People are mean. And now that we got social media, oh my gosh. And can I, I just want to be honest. This is second service. And I'm, the ones that get me are the anonymous ones. Like Sally Pants 48. <laughs> there are people in this room that have had a negative comment left to you by Sally Pants 48, and it'll ruin your day. Who freaking cares? It's Sally Pants 48. Nobody even knows who that is, right? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is one of the things that, 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 that gets on my nerves. It gets on my nerves. And if you've ever, ever been in this position, it gets on your nerves too. You're, you're wrestling through something. It, it comes out. You're fighting. You feel like you're doing your best. And somebody comes up to you and goes, you know what? Don't let that bother you. Okay, that's easy to say when, when you're talking to me. But let it happen to you and see how you handle it. At the end of the day, I know there are mean people, and for some reason, Christians seem to carry the biggest rocks when it comes to throwing them at people. And listen, I understand, I understand, I understand that we as Christians sometimes can be the most judgmental people in the world. I know people can be mean. That's why, that's why I believe with all my heart that, that we've created uh, that an environment like this, where people like this can be accepted. Because, because, because watch what happens. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, Luke writes about Paul in the book of Acts. And Paul's biggest opposition came not from like the pagans, but from religious people. Watch what happens. He goes and he's preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 14. The Bible says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Okay, that's mean. That's, that's way meaner than Sally Pants 48 leaving a negative comment. This is like we're trying to kill you. But this is what's beautiful. And this is what I want to happen in this church and in this community. And ultimately, I think this is what needs to happen all over the place. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. Went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Everybody thought he was dead. But when he got some people around him that weren't throwing rocks but extending a hand, he was able to get back up, walk into the city, and keep on his journey. If you're here in this room and you've battled 
and overcame an addiction, here's what I know about you. Here's what I know that we have in common. We didn't do it alone. And if you're in this room and you're battling an addiction, listen, listen, I know, I, I know what you tell yourself. I can quit anytime I want. I don't have a problem. I don't have an issue. If those are things you're telling yourself, you're in deeper than you, you're in deeper than you know. I'm praying that this church family would be a place. You know what? We're going to gather around you. And listen, listen to me. We're not going to enable you. I would never, I, I don't believe in enabling a person. I believe in being honest, truthful. But listen, if I, I'm always going to defer to what can we do to help you up rather than, you know what? Not only did you do this, but you did this and this and this and this and this. I hope, I hope this is a safe place where you feel like when we circle around you, it's not to throw rocks, it's to extend a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, fourth thing I would say to you is your current path is not sustainable. Now that's that's kind of like in your face. But I love you enough to be truthful with you. I years ago, years ago, I was driving to Atlanta. And if, <laughs> I feel like if God wants to punish me, he just sends me to Atlanta. I can't go to hell, so I can go to Atlanta. Um, which, Atlanta's great. It's a great city, except for the traffic. Um, and so I was stuck in traffic, and I was frustrated, and I was trying to weave in and out. And I finally, I was on my way to the airport. I had to catch a flight, and I'm running late. And I'm driving down the road. I'm driving as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, I heard something go, boom. And I looked up, and... My right front tire, I saw rubber, just chunks flying everywhere. And I just kept going. Because <laughs> in my mind, I started telling myself, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And so I had a friend with me that, that loves me and said, um, hey, man, you going um, to do anything about that? I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not making this up. I was like, what? He said, your, your, um, your tire's shredded. And I was like, no, nah, that's good. And the whole time my car's like pulling to the right and I'm fighting it or whatever. He's like, um, I think you really need to slow down. I was like, no, 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 we're almost there. We're almost there. And fortunately for him and for me, we were literally right. I, we pulled in. By the time I pulled in and parked, there was no rubber to be found anywhere. And I remember him looking at me going, that could have gone bad. You know what? It could have. Had I kept going with my tire blown, had I kept going, not only could I cause tremendous damage to the car, I would have caused tremendous damage to my life and probably his life and probably a lot of other people as well. If you have an addiction... Here's what I want you to know, and I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you as somebody that has been exactly where you are, your current path is not sustainable. And if you don't get help, it's like the tire shredding. Not only are you going to cause damage to your life, but other people. You could lose relationships, careers, maybe even your life. And I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm telling you that because I love you and I believe that God can deliver you. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
he didn't leave it there. He circles back around and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which leads to number five, and number five is this. You don't have to live like this anymore. If you're struggling with an addiction or anything, you don't have to live like this anymore. It, I was thinking about this, and this hit me on Wednesday as I was praying through this sermon. Um, the, the switch from private school to public school for me was really tough. Because in, I went to a private school, and I was kind of sheltered. Just me personally, I was a little bit sheltered until the fifth grade. And I went from um, private school to public school because I wanted to play football because I was going to be a, I was going to play for Clemson and, and then the Dallas Cowboys. We see how that went. Um, but I wanted to play football. But in my fifth grade class, um, we would switch classes. And so we would go over to our math and science class and Miss Dukes taught. And um, I sat beside a guy named Nathan. And I never will forget this. On the first day of class, um, he balled up his fist and he punched me in the leg as hard as he could. And I'm not really a confrontational person, so I was just like, well, maybe he's having a bad day. I didn't know. And the next day, the next day, I didn't say anything. The next day, he did it again. And I didn't acknowledge it, so he, he did it like this a second time. I just kind of looked at him because he's sitting on this side of me. I just kind of looked at him, and I just kind of smiled, and he gave me a dirty look. The next day, he did it again, and it's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. And um, But I didn't know. Like I In private school, you just went and told the teacher, and then they got in trouble. That's not quite the way it went at the school I went to. And so I was like, um, hey, man, I said, uh, what, what's wrong? He, and he looked at me and said, I don't like you, boy. He said, and I'm going to hit you every day we come in this class. So that night I went home, and I told my parents I didn't want to go to public school anymore. I was like, I want to go back to private school. They were like, why? I was like, well, I don't know. And finally, my, my, dad, my dad had the ability to stare into your soul and pull the truth out of you. So was, I was like, I don't want to go. He was like, why? I was like, Nathan. And, um, and I told him what was happening. I never, I'm going to quote my dad. My, my, my dad told me he said you walk into class tomorrow he said you look at Nathan and say Nathan you will never hit me again and if you do I will bust you in the damn mouth do you understand I said I can say that <laughs> he said yes you can I said all right so the next day we went and sat down, and I was smiling. Nathan literally looked at me and said, what are you smiling at? I said, well, Nathan, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you remember yesterday when you hit me? He said, yeah. I said, well, that would be the last time. And I went on and told him what my father was. said, you know what? He never hit me again. He never hit me again. Because I had permission from my father to tell somebody, I'm stronger than this, and I don't have to live this way anymore. And you have a heavenly father that tells you, you know what? You've been struggling. You've been wrestling. You've been feeling like you're losing. But the good news is today, no matter what has happened, you don't have to live this way anymore. Chains can come off. Addictions can be set free. And you can have life.
I love it. The same, the same Apostle Paul, a few, just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says after Paul got arrested for preaching the gospel and put in prison and beaten, the Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And if God did it for Paul 2,000 years ago, he can do it for us here today that when we focus on Jesus and get people around us that will show us compassion and understand us and walk with us, we don't have to live in addiction anymore. And if you fall down, you get back up. And if you fall down, you get back up. And you keep moving forward. And as we keep moving forward and we keep our eyes on Jesus, healing is inevitable. So with that in mind, can we stand for closing prayer? But listen, listen, before we pray, before we pray, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you're struggling with addiction, I want you to listen to this. You don't have to live like this anymore. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for the freedom that you give those who are in Christ. God, I know there are some of us in this room today, we don't feel so free. We feel like that we have just the chains of addiction or the chains of shame from a past addiction or someone, God, that we love dearly that's currently wrestling with an addiction. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill our hearts with the courage to do what we need to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you're battling through an addiction, this church wants to walk with you. And not throw rocks at you, but extend a hand. If you are battling through, or you've battling through that shame, or you've got someone that you know and you love and they're battling through and you don't know what to do, then we've got a team of volunteers here called the care team. And they would love to pray with you and pray for you right now. This is a private room, just you and them having a conversation. So if that's you and you say, I need someone to pray with me or for me about what I'm going through, then right now in this room, I just want you to step out of your aisle and walk out the back door. There are four exits in the back, and outside those doors, you'll find volunteers, and they want to pray with you. Listen, they want to pray with you. If you don't want to live this way anymore and you want to take that step today, I want you to go right now. If you're battling that past shame, I want you to go right now. If you're currently battling, if you've got somebody you love and you don't know how to handle it, I want you to go right now because this is a safe place to say, I'm not okay. People have moved, so you go ahead and feel that freedom right now. You step out of your aisle and walk out the back door. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You know, the beginning, the scripture we shared said that he understands everything that we're going through and if we'll just ask him to come into our life he'll give us everything that's right about him and he'll take everything that's wrong about us on the spot so if you're here today and you need to receive Jesus you want to receive Jesus in your life then right where you stand right now right where you stand I just want you to pray in your heart and just say Jesus come into my life take over I believe you died on the cross 
rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you. In Jesus' name I pray. With head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, you stepped over the line of faith, I want to pray for you today. But if that's you and you prayed to receive Christ, I just want you to raise your hand and just let me know, hey, I just prayed to receive Christ. Hold it up high. Hold it up high so we can see it online. I see one in back. I see two. Anybody else? You just prayed to receive Christ. Three. Amen. Anybody else? Thank for. Thank you, Jesus, so much for these hands that are in the air. Father, I pray that you would fill them with hope. I pray that you would fill them with joy. I, feel, I pray that you would fill them with encouragement. Father, I pray for those back in the care room right now, Jesus, that you would fill them with encouragement, hope, and joy, God, and that we would walk out of here knowing because the tomb is empty and that you are alive, that we can live fully alive. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. We love you. And everybody that agreed said amen. Hey, next week, Easter weekend is going to be awesome. I love you guys. I'll see you all then. God bless.